0: Hello friends and welcome back to the wonderful world of mixology the podcast where we discuss discover and break down the mono and stereo differences on classic albums from the 60s and today we're going to the Christmas season 1967 with the Beatles and their US only LP magical mystery tour now while this album is part of the Beatles canon today, originally in the UK around this time, it was released as a double EP with the six tracks that can be found on side one of the album in the run from the title track to Iron the Warrus. Not only were these six songs presented as a soundtrack exclusively to the film, but they are also presented in a different order to the album. However, beyond that, these mixes aren't really any different from the ones we would find on the US version of the album and subsequent re-releases, making this a much easier task than maybe it would be. However, any Beatles aficionado in mix differences will be aware that a few of the tracks we're going to be looking at today will have a number of mixes that we'll cover as we get to them. Of course, the second half of the album was made up of the Beatles' previously released non-LP singles throughout 1967, starting of course with Storyfield's Forever and Penny Lane at the beginning of the year, All You Need Is Love and Baby You're A Rich Man in the Middle of the Year, and then Hello Goodbye at the end of the year. The flip side of this single was I Am The Walrus, and as this was already part of the soundtrack, it need not be added to the second half of the album. Also interestingly, just to dive even deeper into the rabbit hole. The original USLP had fake stereo processing for the final three tracks on the album, those being Penny Lane, Baby You're a Rich Man and All You Need Is Love. Until the, well, 2012 vinyl reissue of the album, which is pressed from the digital 2009 stereo remaster files, the album had never been issued in true full stereo, on vinyl except in Germany where from the early 70s onwards any pressing that has an A1B3 matrix features the complete stereo mixes as found on the album today. However, one of these tracks, which we'll get to later, received an additional remix, meaning the original US Capital Master has a mix exclusive to it that still has not been issued on CD or digitally to this day, and probably is something that should have been scooped up in the Sgt Pepper Super Deluxe, but we'll get to that down the road, I suppose. Of course, there's also going to be a couple of things creeping in that were exclusive to the soundtrack versions of these songs as in the ones featured in the original mono audio track for the film. These will be rather brief as the original mono version of the film soundtrack has only been dubbed from what I believe is off-air recordings from 1967, meaning the quality is rather poor, but of course history needs to be included here. Before we dive right into the episode, I wanted to of course shout out all my wonderful patrons who support the show over at patreon.com forward slash backtomono. Your help is what keeps me making these podcasts, and with Mixology on 45 podcasts, following each Mixology episode on the subsequent Sunday, there's plenty there for Mixology fans to enjoy and even more for Back to Mono fans as well. So check it out down at the link in the bio should you wish to subscribe. But with that rather lengthy intro out of the way, let's dive headfirst into Magical Mystery Tour, of course with the title track. As the song initially kicks off, the mixes are pretty identical, but there is a little difference I want to bring in here that doesn't involve either the stereo or the mono mixes, but rather the soundtrack version. It is noted that the original recording dates, there was a mono mixdown done And then subsequently, a couple of months later, there was an overdub for the mono and stereo mixes, and there was no stereo mix done at the initial session. And one would assume this is because on the original version, there is an alternate, well, I guess a roll-up, roll-up vocal, as well as a spoken bridge by John Lennon. These are exclusively in the film and one would wonder due to the way both these sound if these exist exclusively on the film soundtrack reels rather than the master tapes themselves. These aren't baked into the original mono mixes for the film because they were included on the 1988 remixes of these tracks. For a little bit of historical I guess archaeological dig, let's first hear that in the globally issued 1967 mono mix and then we'll repeat that with the off-air recording of the original movie soundtrack. We'll then play it briefly afterwards from the 1988 stereo remix just so you can hear it in its full quality. (laughs) Again, on the soundtrack. And for posterity, here's the soundtrack remix. Under the first line of the chorus in the right-hand channel in stereo, there's a weird echoed shaker that only exists under this line and it's inaudible in mono. Let's hear that first in stereo and pay attention to it in the right-hand channel, then again in mono, where I assume this was a mistake and it's mixed out. And again in mono. shouty pool vocal throughout the one mainly going the magical mystery tour is waiting to take you away has extra reverb throughout the mix in mono this persists throughout the track including when it is mostly prominent at the end let's hear an example of that in the reverbed mono first and then again in the drier stereo <laughs> Again, in stereo. Of course, a classic difference we love to highlight here on Mixology is the use of sound effect tapes in tracks as these often differ as they have been re-synced usually for each mix and here this is no different. While one would assume this was done for the film soundtrack itself, the sound of the bus passing by, or coach I suppose, is in the LP versions, and it is slightly different between the two. It initially starts the same and passes by almost an identical moment, but in stereo it comes back round just a little bit longer. Let's hear that whole thing in mono first, and then again in stereo, where it extends beyond the reach of the mono. and again in Stereo. And then at 1 minute 27, there is a horn blast, which is held out longer in Stereo. It's muted a little earlier in Mono, I assume to allow room for where the vocals come in. Let's hear that first in Mono, and then again in the elongated Stereo. And again, in stereo. Ah,
1: don't
0: and just a little treat before we move into track two. As noted, John does a little spoken word introduction, I suppose, over the bridge in the original movie soundtrack. Let's hear that now as it's not on the album and anyone that hasn't seen the film may not have heard this previously.
2: When a man buys a ticket for a Magical Mystery Tour He knows what to expect We guarantee him the trip of a lifetime And that's just what he gets The Incredible Magical Mystery Tour
0: Our next track is The Fool on the Hill A lovely little Paul McCartney tune And in both mixes there is a little bit of an echo effect on Paul's vocal But it's certainly more prominent in the mono in stereo, it's got a bit more of a stereo effect to it, meaning it drifts off a little more, but gives it a bit more of an ambient feel. Let's hear a little bit of that in mono first, and then stereo. Day after day,
3: alone on a hill, the man with the foolish grin is keeping perfectly still.
0: Into stereo.
3: Nobody him, they can see that he's just a fool, and he never gives an answer but the fool on the,
0: the flute solo, which is always an instrument that pierces through a mix whenever it's used, is placed very well in the mix in mono, sitting quite comfortably in the middle. However, in stereo it rides right on top of the mix, really jumping out at you by comparison. Let's start with the mono and move to the stereo. Again, in stereo. And at the end of the track, the fades end at a similar time, so we don't need to look at it in that respect. But the stereo fades later, and thus in a more sudden manner. Let's hear the more gradual mono first, and then hear that whole thing again in stereo where it kind of just drops off at the end. And again, in stereo. Up next is the instrumental Flying, the only track in the Beatles catalogue to have a writing credit to all four members of the group. At 31 minutes, a shaker enters in the hard right stereo. It's quite low in the mix but it's certainly quite audible, however in mono it is still there but even lower in the mix you probably wouldn't notice it if you weren't looking for it because of the stereo. While this isn't technically a difference I wanted to highlight it here anyway. So let's listen to the stereo first and pay attention to that shaker over in the right-hand channel, and then we'll move into the mono where it kind of just disappears under the weight of the track itself. Into mono. Now the tape loop ending is mixed a little differently between the two, it's certainly louder in mono when compared with the stereo and maybe starts a little earlier but it does seem audible in the stereo at the same time but due to the volume difference it's likely just far more distant. It also has extra reverb applied to it in stereo while it's drier and sounds a little more psychedelic as a result in mono let's hear the whole thing first in the dry and louder mono and then again in the more distant stereo And again in stereo. Our next track Blue Jay Way, George Harrison's only lead vocal and solo composition on the album is for the most part very similar between the mixes except for one very distinct difference. The mono mix was done and then they thought oh it's time to mix the stereo, however while they mixed the stereo they decided to play back the mono mix down in reverse at the same time and fade it up variably through the mix. This is what gives the random backwards vocal effects heard throughout the track and at the end it creates a different fade because the fade actually has the start of the track played in reverse. This is one that's quite interesting. I'm going to highlight a little bit of it as a difference first and then I'm going to play you a few sections of the stereo in reverse making the mono mix play forward over the top of it if you get my drift. Let's hear a little bit of that first verse first in mono, and then we'll play that bit again in stereo with the backwards vocal.
3: There's a fog upon LA and my friends have lost their way. We'll be over soon, they say. Now they've lost themselves in st-
0: and again in stereo. And now, just to demonstrate how the mono mix is played backwards to the rest of the track, I'm going to line up a few little sections of the stereo mix which has been totally reversed. This means in the center channel you'll hear sections of the mono mix playing forward almost at random, but I picked out a few key moments where this does become quite clear so you can just hear it in the track. Obviously there's a lot of gobbledygook going around it as you've got the entire stereo mix reversed on either side, but hopefully it should help you pick out where these moments are. Of course right at the start of this, which is the end of the stereo mix played backwards, you'll hear the mono mix starting up which makes for a very interesting difference in itself. Either way, enjoy this little sequence of events. Your Mother Should Know, Paul's kind of, as John would put it, granny music track is up next and it's certainly a real favorite of mine, making for a wonderful closing performance in the film. And overall the mix is quite similar, but it has, again, a rather grandiose difference and that is the mono has a flange effect seemingly placed upon the entire track at variable strength throughout as is certainly the nature of flange and phase used at this time. This does, as a result, mean the track gets quite messy in mono as it goes on, sounding quite lo-fi, and especially with the artificially double tracked lead vocal in that final chorus, which is panned left and right in stereo, though it does seem to be used in the mono regardless of this. Let's hear a section of this in mono first, and then we'll move into the more natural-sounding stereo. bring up the original film soundtrack once again here as while the recording of this track sounds particularly lo-fi once again it does appear that the mono mix used in the film lacks the flange effect placed on top. Here's a little section from the later part of the track again the recording isn't great but just a little interesting insight into the history of the mixes for this track. The next track, which comes at the end of side one of the LP version and as track three on the flip side of the first seven inch in the EP version is of course, I'm the Walrus. Originally issued as the flip side of Hello Goodbye, this track has been subject to a number of mixed variations throughout the years, which we will pick on as we go through. As you may have noticed, I've not been looking at any particular remixes of these tracks beyond ones that crop up in the vintage analog era. The A side of the album, so the soundtrack, has been remixed a couple of times for film issues including 1988 which we heard a little bit from on the title track and again in 2012 for the Blu-ray and DVD re-release by Giles Martin. Because these aren't widely available I've decided not to highlight them here and a few tracks on side two we won't be looking at as well because it feels a little bit Odd and out of place by comparison as a number of these bring up extra tracks from the original multitracks and as a result aren't really comparable either way with Iron the Warrus, we're gonna take a look straight away at the intro the original stereo has six beats for the intro the US master has only four as does the mono mix meaning that really the four beat intro is what was intended but the UK stereo and then the later German stereo has the, I guess, performance length introduction. Let's hear that first in stereo, and then again in mono. And again in mono. At about 37 seconds into the track, in stereo there's an extra tambourine hit and a drum fill however in the mono mix this has been muted i guess this was an artistic decision by john lennon in the mixdown stage or maybe someone else i'm not too sure but obviously it's on the track itself in stereo and was obviously intended to be muted afterwards let's hit that first in mono and then again in stereo with the extra instrumentation and again, in stereo. A Here's a very interesting one, and one you certainly won't be able to unhear if you haven't heard it before. Before the line Yellow Matter Custard, there's a few extra beats. The outtake mix on the anthology reveals that there was a vocal slip-up here and they decided to just keep going. This extra bit of vocal was mixed out, and this section edited down on all commercially available versions of the track except for the original US mono mix that appears on the flip side of Hello Goodbye for whatever reason I suppose. Outside of this the track appears identical meaning the mix itself is just a regular mono mix but at an earlier editing stage. However this has never been issued digitally since and has only appeared on a couple of other random issues. The 80s Rarities LP in the States and Canada attempts to insert this into the stereo mix of the track by processing this section as fake stereo and splicing it in there. In a similar and even more sloppy edit job, there was a, I guess, I think it was a record store day box set in 2011, I could be wrong on that, that tries to reinstate it once again for a replication of the US single, but does an even more hatchet job of this, meaning the only way to truly get representation of this is to pick up any version of the US single. I have an Orange Label Capital Reissue that features this, and I remember being shocked the first time I heard it. What is really shocking though is when you then listen back to the original mixes and notice the shocking edit done here. In mono, this is completely jarring as it doesn't quite happen right on the beat. While in stereo, it almost feels like there's a little bit of a dropout, but it is a little bit more even. Let's hear the unedited version first, then again in mono, and then again in stereo. (laughs) again in mono and again in stereo the track itself is then pretty negligible for difference as once we get to the second half of the track it becomes processed in fake stereo as the radio broadcast over the top is only on the mono mix down meaning that they could either mix it in true stereo without it or reprocess the section and leave it in i appreciate what they did but i'm very glad that in 2012 Giles was finally able to remix the track and I guess sync up the performance at the appropriate places to give us a true stereo mix of the whole thing and it's a shame this hasn't actually been issued anywhere apart from on the Blu-ray and DVD releases of the track. It does of course mean there's no actually further differences apart from the processing of the track which then folds back to mono and pans left and right for the very end. One other little difference though is that the 2009 remaster filters out some of John's lip smacks throughout the track. I had read that they're all taken out, but this simply isn't the case. Once you listen to earlier CD versions, and I've taken mine from the CD EP box set from the 90s, they are certainly there, but one I found that was absent was at 54 seconds. Listen for a little... just before John starts singing in the first version, then I'll play it again in the 2009, where this is mysteriously absent and again in the 2009 Flipping the LP over or pulling out the first 7 inch depending on how we're looking at these tracks we get the great hello goodbye the seasonal a side if you like from the group and overall the mix is essentially identical the stereo is a really good mix i do have to say and nothing really leaps out until we get to the outro, as it was noted in the session, the Hawaiian outro. This in stereo has the backing track fake stereoed with EQ and channel delay, but the vocals are still central as in the original mono unprocessed recording. As a result the mono has the sounding more natural, though certainly the left hand channel in the stereo has the bass really overbearingly. It's Quite in your face, which is certainly the effect they were going for. Let's hear the way this sounds first in mono and we'll move into the overbearing stereo. Into stereo. And of course, right at the end, the stereo does give us a longer fade. Let's start with the mono and move into the stereo. Stereo. Now the last four tracks of the album is where things get really interesting. I noted that the last three previously were only mixed in stereo in 1971 for what would be the German version of the album and then the cassette release in the UK. However, alongside this Storyville Terrell was also remixed though it did get a stereo mix in 1967 meaning we have three mixes of the track that we'll be looking at right now and unsurprisingly as a result there's quite a few little differences in this track that we'll be highlighting though I will say that overall the track isn't that distinctly different between its mixes. The first one that really stands out to me is that the mono and the 1971 stereo have a dry vocal while the 1967 version has a stereo reverb applied to this. Let's just listen to the mono mix and move it into the 1967
2: stereo. Let me take you down cuz I'm
0: going Now the famous edit that appears at one minute into the track is treated a little differently between the mixes. In mono, due to the nature of the lack of panning, this edit isn't quite so in your face, but in stereo obviously this is going to stand out more. The 1971 mix doesn't really do anything to disguise this as the instrumentation that appears in the right hand channel suddenly cuts in and is quite jarring if you're listening on headphones. However, the 1967 stereo attempts to disguise this by having this track fade up in the left-hand channel and then pan across the field, distracting you from the other editing that's going on. Of course, let's hear that first in mono, then again in the 1971, and then again in the 1967.
2: Let me take you down, cause I'm going to strawberry field. To 1971. Let me take you down cuz i'm going to strawberry field 1967 let me take you down cuz i'm going to strawberry field
0: speaking of left and right panning at 1 minute and 19 the plux piano strings pan across the field in 1971 which is against the grain of what we've seen in the previous difference but by comparison, the 1967 does not feature this panning, meaning that between the two, you kind of have to compile them both to get all the interesting effects used throughout the track. Obviously, in mono, this panning doesn't happen, but we don't need to highlight it here. When this appears again at 2 minutes and 3 seconds, you can hear a distant count. This is in all three mixes, but far more audible in 1971. Let's hear this first in the 1967 with the lack of panning and distant counting, and then again in the 1971 where the counting comes up a little and the piano pans across the field.
2: Feels forever.
0: And again in the
2: 1971.
0: You may have noticed during this that the mad percussion track that's over in the left-hand channel is mixed a bit differently between the mixes, as is the snare overdub, which is in the central channel. Overall, I find that the 1971 and the mono mix are the closest to each other, with it seeming the most distant for the most part in the mono, while the 1967 is pretty loud and overbearing, a little treble heavy in the left-hand channel. Let's start with the mono, Move to the 1967, and then the 1971, and pay attention not only to the mad percussion, but also the snare overdub cracking away in the center channel.
2: Let me take you down, cause I'm going to strawberry fields. 1967. Nothing is real.
0: 1971.
2: Nothing to get hung about. Strawberry
0: feels forever At 2 minutes 30 I've always been intrigued by the way the Let Me Take You comes in. In mono it feels like it fades up, likely due to the compression across the channels and the other sounds being a little overbearing on the vocal track. In the 1967, it remains at full volume from the get-go, while in 1971 it kind of feels like a little bit of a balance between the two. Let's hear the gradual mono first, and then move through them chronologically.
2: 1967 1971
0: As we get a little closer to the outro and the first fade of the track, There is a stringed instrument that comes up to full volume in both the stereo mixes first, with a little bit audible that's inaudible by comparison in the mono. As this is in both the stereos, we'll just compare the mono with the 1971, as this is the most commercially available today. Let's hear this first in the stereo, and then again in the mono. in Mono. Now, the two... Outros, if you like, of the track, but where things really get interesting. The full sending fades down earlier and then back up later in 1967 when compared with the mono, which is a little bit more well, leaves less of a gap there between the two sections. And the balance is certainly a little bit different as the faders move between these two mixes, not completely concurrently, but at slightly different speeds. The 1971 then by comparison has the trashy sounding snare track in the middle far louder and it sticks out a lot more and the fade reaches basic silence while the others never truly do. As a result we've got to play this whole section in all three mixes first. Let's start with the mono and then again in the 1967 and again in the 1971. Of course, this will likely demand a couple of listens, so abuse that back 30 seconds button that you've got right there. 1967 1971. And then the final fade from whence this has faded back in is again mixed a little differently. It starts later in 1967 but it's the same length ending as the mono. The 1971 however has a longer fade than either of the others and the trashy snare certainly stands out as the rest of the track fades down. You can hear this fade a little bit earlier by comparison in the mono and you can't hear it at all in this final section in the 1967. Overall, this will need complete listen throughs once again. So let's start with the mono where the trashy snare fades earlier and we get the same fade as the 1967. We'll then have the 1967 with the same fade as the mono but no trashy snare. And then finally the 1971 with the trashy snare right up and the longest fade of them all. 1967? 1971 and wipe that sweaty brow as that little marathon look at that track has thankfully finished and we can move into the slightly more light hearted side of the same single Penny Lane. Now immediately the bass is mixed lower at the intro in mono, though this could be overall on the track it's hard to tell due to the nature of the sound quality of the mixes. You catch the in for in Penny Lane, a little clearer in the mono, while it feels a little bit more cut off by comparison in stereo, but this could just be due to the effect of the louder bass by comparison. Alongside this, the lead vocal is certainly a little more upfront in mono. Let's hear this first bit first in mono, and then again in stereo, in
2: Penny Lane, there is a showing photographs
0: of and again in stereo.
2: Penny Lane, there is a
0: At 1 minute and 5 seconds after a clean machine, there's an extra horn after it in the stereo, which has been muted in mono. Let's hear that first in stereo and then again with its absent in mono. It's a clean and again in mono. It's a clean machine. And outside of that, this track is pretty much identical between its mixes. This is another one with a 1971 mix and they obviously didn't play around with the idea of it too much, giving it quite a modern sounding mix with the main backing track actually being central for a change. However, there is one other mix we need to look at and that is the mono-promo mix used in the US. This is a slightly earlier mix of the track that was only issued on that 7-inch and then strangely, on the 50th anniversary Sgt. Pepper box set they use a terrible sounding needle drop of the track. I appreciate that the master has gone, but there's certainly far better needle drops they could have done than the awful sounding version they used on there, and that's not just me being picky. If you listen to it and you can find it on streaming services at the end of the box set, it's absolutely awful. Either way, I've managed to source a slightly better version of it for us today, And before we get to the main difference, let's just listen to a little bit of the body. Overall, the mix on this track is pretty sloppy, the vocal is a bit louder with the backing track feeling a little more distant, and that extra horn interestingly that was absent in the mono mix is still there but it's pretty distant, and just generally the mix is less cohesive. Just to give you a little bit of a feel, let's hear that bit where the extra horn is actually audible just slightly, and then we'll get to the main difference. In
2: his is a of the queen. He likes to keep his fire engine clean. It's a clean machine.
0: Now, at the end of the track, I'm sure you're familiar with the way it usually ends, with the final symbol build if you like, giving a slightly psychedelic tinge to it. The original mono-promo mix, and I guess the performance, has an extra horn riff right at the end, which for many Americans in 1967, this is the way that they got to know the track as it was the way played on radio at the time, meaning that it's the way it's ingrained into their souls and the fact that it hasn't been issued properly is, I don't know, almost offensive I guess, it's not really, but you know, you know how people are with these things, and I get it. I get it. But, let's hear that now, shall we? Let's play it first in the original mono mix, and then again in the mono promo mix. And again, in the promo. It is worth noting that like I Am The Walrus, this difference was highlighted on the US Rarities LP, although they used the stereo mix of the track, which hadn't been issued in America at the time, and kind of splice this onto the end in a slight syncing of tracks to give it a stereo feel, but it's not quite true stereo. It's kind of done in a way that, I don't know, would maybe done in a more modern time, though I suppose they'd try to isolate the track itself by comparison. Either way, we can move on now to the B-side of the next single and the next track on the album, Baby, You're a Rich Man. One that does stand out pretty well in stereo, with the bass especially being really clear and dominant when compared with the mono. But overall, this track has a pretty loud clap track, and these certainly seem to be louder in mono, which as a result buries the drums. They are certainly both there, but the claps really do jump out when comparing them, at least in the first verse, they seem to get up to volume in the stereo as it goes along. Let's start with the Mono and move to the Stereo. Into Stereo. Interestingly, throughout the track, after we get lines like As Far As The Eye Can See and a little break, there is an extra overdub that's missing in the Stereo. However, later on the track, I do find it interesting, as when it's heard at 1 minute 43, there appears to be a piano in its place for the build-up, and it could be, because this is absent in mono, that the track has been treated to a Leslie speaker effect, which has then been left out in the mixing process in stereo. It could, however, mean that the piano was mixed out in mono and that a Leslie organ was played over the top. It's hard to know as I couldn't find a note of it online, but let's hear that section now, although, of course, I say it does repeat throughout the track, starting with the mono and then again in the stereo. Baby, the and again in stereo. Baby, And it wouldn't be an episode of Mixology without a proper look at a longer fade. This time, it's 8 seconds longer in mono. Let's start with the stereo and move to the mono at that key moment. Mono. And now we come to the closing moment of the album, the grandiose and, well, it's not that grandiose, the statement internationally of all you need is love. Now, we'll be going to one extra little mix of this track at the end of the show. But for now, let's compare the original mono and 1971 stereo mixes. The intro has the horns louder and drier in mono, and the backing track seems to cut in after the intro in a much smoother fashion and at a higher volume, whereas the stereo seems to just go distant and pretty weedy. There's also a piano in the left-hand channel in the intro, which is inaudible in mono. The overdub track, which is mixed centrally, which has a little bit of a drum tap going through, is also pretty sloppy in stereo, while it's buried at the key moments in mono. Let's play the start of the track into that first, I don't know, chant, if you like, in mono first, and then again in stereo.
1: And
0: again in stereo. Here's a quick little simple one, at 25 seconds into the track, in stereo there's a little check in the right hand channel, it's not there in the mono. Let's hear that first in stereo, and then again in mono, and again in mono. Be
3: done.
0: <laughs> Here's a real difference in the mixing, the solo, which is noted as not one of George's best is treated to additional ADT in mono, giving it a little bit more of a Beatle effect to make it kind of sound a little bit more processed and interesting. While it does feature some in stereo, it's certainly not as strong. However, at the end where it kind of falters a bit, it fades nicely into the strings, not sounding too sloppy, shall we say. However, in stereo, it remains at full volume And it's pretty noticeable, the final few dodgy lines and then just kind of playing rhythmically with the track. It's, I don't know, the mono is far better. Let's hear it all in mono first and then again in stereo. again, in stereo. And of course, for the end of the track, we get a lovely longer fade in mono, which comes to an additional 10 seconds where Greensleeve starts up again I appreciate what they were going for with the stereo, fading it before this point, as maybe it feels a bit more natural, but it's such a party at the end here that it could go on forever as far as I'm concerned. Let's start with the stereo and move to the mono at that key moment. mono. I'm sure you're familiar with the fact that this track was recorded in quotation marks live for the Our World broadcast and Obviously, it was subject to a number of overdubs beforehand, and the broadcast was seen as a performance of the final tracking session on top of what was already tracked. However, of course, the live performance was not the final recording, and as noted, there is an overdub track in the central channel. There's a few additional things. In the intro, there's a drum roll, and this was originally a tambourine, and there's obviously extra snare hits by Ringo just to beef it up. John's vocal as well is different to the original broadcast version, being re-recorded and then obviously treated to his usual flange effects and ADT and all that good stuff. This has never officially been released and whenever the performance has been re-shown on things like the anthology, they've used the single version over the top. It has however been bootlegged, not in fantastic quality but enough to allow people to really take a step back into that time period as a special treat i'm going to include it at the end of the episode so you can pick out those differences for yourselves they're not technically mixed differences but i thought it was a nice way to highlight it at the end of the show but before we get to that of course i've got to say well we completed our look at this wonderful wonderful album and i hope you've enjoyed it it's been great having you alongside me while i go through these differences and i hope you've learned something new i certainly learned a few new things while going through and certainly this is one that a number of people have been looking forward to i remember early on when i shared one of my first few episodes i think it was the wild honey episode on facebook and someone commented saying you will have to do an episode dedicated entirely to just iron the walrus i obviously didn't do that and it didn't actually take up as much time as i thought strawberry fields certainly taking up more time than that but either way it inspired me to look at this album and over a year later here I am so With that said, obviously I'm going to say a huge thank you to everyone for listening, and again, I want to give out a huge thank you to all my Patrons of the show. As I said, your support truly does mean a lot. And if you want to subscribe for all the extra content, including Mixology and Back to Mono content, and this week on Mixology on 45, we'll actually be taking a look at the Beatles single, Paperback Writer and Rain, so if you want more Beatles content, you can find that at patreon.com forward slash backtomono. You can also get in touch with me at backtomonoradio at gmail.com and there's a link to all of these down in the show notes along with a link to Sister Show, Back to Mono, over on Mixcloud, a Facebook group, my Instagram, and I'm sure there's some other things as well that I'm forgetting. But with all that out of the way, of course, thank you so, so much for listening. And remember, whoever you are and wherever you are, have a great, great day.